All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And before I introduce our guest for the day, I wanted to fill you in on a couple fun things that have been happening here in Missouri. So first off, I put in for a conservation hunt um, here at some local land, actually in city limits. And unfortunately, I did not get drawn for that. But now I have a preference point for next year, which I didn't know that Missouri did at all. But apparently when you draw, when you apply for special hunts like that, you can get preference points and increase your chances of drawing in future years. And so I think to apply for that, it only cost me like $5. And so me and the other guys that I applied for with our hunting party are all going to have points for the upcoming years. Also, I just noticed that they are going to be voting on a black bear hunt, which could happen as early as 2021 here in Missouri, which would be amazing. I think it would be just like the elk hunt where it's very, very limited tags that are given out. But fingers crossed, we can always hope that something amazing happens and we get drawn for them, even though our odds are very, very slim. And so those are all cool things coming up. Also, I did not get drawn for this year's Missouri elk hunt. Kind of expected it, hoped otherwise, but it didn't happen. Maybe next year. But moving on to better news, Dove has been open for about a week and a half, maybe a little over a week and a half in Missouri now. And I got out opening day, had a ton of fun. We did have action nonstop. Unfortunately, I was terrible and rusty and I missed way more than I'd like to admit. But this morning we went out again and we had a few doves flying, not a ton. We definitely could have shot more, but, uh, I went one for one right out of the gate. I almost hung up the shotgun after that because I like to end on a good note, but instead we stuck around, ended up with four on the day. Should have been more. Unfortunately, it wasn't. But I went out with a good friend, Jackson, and Jackson and I met, actually. He's going to be on the podcast coming up here soon, but he actually blew up my last day sitting in the tree with my bow last year. Him and some friends went out to the property where I bow hunt, and they did a coyote hunt. And so I saw them walking in from the gate, up, like past the pond. And I'm like, who in the world is this? And they get out and I see a coyote decoy in their hand or like a crazy critter decoy. And they went and set up and started blaring the call. So anyways, me and my buddy Drew climbed down, went and chatted with them. And somehow from that, Jackson and I became friends. And so Uh, It was myself, him, and his cousin that went out this morning. We had a good time, and I look forward to a lot more hunts with Jackson and his friends and cousin. Um, So I hope to bring you some cool podcasts about waterfowl hunting with them this fall, as well as maybe a couple whitetail episodes. But speaking of whitetail episodes, Tuesday is the kickoff, so we only have a few more days left before we can get out after whitetails with our bows here in Missouri. I cannot wait for that. I am super pumped about it. And I just got my bow restrung yesterday. So shout out to Midwest Archery. Luckily, they're like a couple miles south of my house. Went in there yesterday. They hooked me up with a new string. Um, Also bought a couple other things while I was there. But I'm going to go after this podcast and get sighted in, make sure all my pins are still at the right gaps and uh, that I can keep shooting good groups out at longer ranges. So all cool things happening. And now let's get to the podcast. So on the show today, I've got great friends of mine, Chris Parsons and Micah Garmin. And Micah and I, we've only known each other for probably about a year, 
but he is a phenomenal dude, one of the nicest dudes I've ever met. The guy is super humble, and he has led a pretty awesome life so far, from touring with country bands to being a pastor here at a local church. Mike and I uh, have really hit it off, and he has been one of the people I've been trying to get out in the woods more, get out and experience new things, do more fishing, hunting, that type of thing, which he doesn't have a an extensive history with. So we got him out for the first time. We went out frog gigging on opening day. And I mean, it's been a while, but I've been wanting to sit down with these two and just chat about frog gigging, what that looks like from someone who's done it for a long time, as well as what it looks like for someone who is out for the first time and maybe didn't know what frog gigging was up until then. And so we're going to get both their takes, hear some good stories from this year and from years past, as well as hopefully get a game plan together for both of them and the rest of the seasons here in Missouri that are unfolding. So I'm excited. I hope you guys will join me in welcoming Micah Garman and Chris Parsons. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to the show. Today we've got two great friends of mine, Chris Parsons and Micah Garman, and we are just going to be talking about frog gigging. Uh, We went out this year for opening day, and we throw a big party uh, out at my old place called the White Trash Succotash Bash, and so a lot of those frogs get fried up uh, during that. But before we get going, Chris, do you want to share a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, so my name's Chris. Uh, I'm originally from Kansas City, so I grew up in the city, and uh, you know, growing up, my uh, my dad loved the outdoors, but just being in the suburbs of Kansas City, I really couldn't get to much, so we ended up doing a lot of like going to the park to go fishing and sitting on a park bench for fishing and and uh any hunting was like a trip we went out to to manhattan uh and uh, hayes kansas uh to go like pheasant hunting and quail hunting and stuff so it was about a three-hour drive so you know anything you do is like a an extended weekend or whatever it's not just kind of getting out um it wasn't really until i moved uh down to springfield um about uh, it's probably around 2003 2004 uh, and then met, uh, you know, a lot of guys down here that do that kind of thing, Dan, you, and then others, uh, that allowed me to start exploring the outdoors a lot more. And then since then I've, you know, lived here ever since. And so it's just kind of grown in every area, whether it be from, from duck hunting to frog gigging to, you know, this year, hopefully getting into some whitetail. Uh, it's just kind of progressed along the way as far as whatever the uh, outdoors has to offer here. So, Yeah. The, the nice thing about here is that we've got this awesome chunk of property where we can kind of do everything on. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's no pheasants. I think the coyotes, bobcats, and hawks take that population out of the equation, but um, everything else we get after. Michael, what about you? I know you didn't really grow up in, in this world, <laughs> but <laughs> we got you out this year frog gigging for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Micah. Um, I don't have any hunting experience. Um, all my outdoor experience, I'm from Arizona, so it's that out there, it's a lot of desert, um, mountain lions, javelinas, which is a real thing, just wild pigs. <laughs> it's not like the snipe that you have to... Yeah, seriously. You bang two rocks together and catch those snipes. <laughs> um, 
So not a whole lot of hunting experience. I mean, we would do like fishing every once in a while. Um, but frog gigging was probably the first like actual, like you have to get a license for. Um, and then Dan, whenever you were like, hey, we're going to do this thing. We're going to go frog gigging. And I was like, sorry, what? What the heck is that? <laughs> I am definitely in Missouri. Yeah. Now. <laughs> and I was like, absolutely. You said frog, I'm in. So, um, yeah, not a whole lot of outdoor experience, but man, um, that it was a blast. What what did that look like for you? I mean, were you surprised by what frog gigging was once you actually got out there? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It uh, the way it was described, uh, I guess I didn't really know what to expect until we got out there, and then it was like we're just stabbing frogs, <laughs> <laughs> and if they're not dead, you're like smacking it over the the, the lid of the the bucket or whatever and that yeah. was actually a shock. Till the tongue drops out. <laughs> just know. keep swinging. Well that's it. The first so we got out there and maybe I'm jumping the gun on this but stabbed one of them and I was like oh yeah this is awesome. This is probably the biggest frog I'm going to get. This is tiny little thing. <laughs> and then Brad he grabbed it off of it and he just like starts slapping against his leg and I'm like what are we doing? Stuff flying <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. But man it was great. I was hooked. Yeah, yeah. I would totally do it again. And this is coming from somebody that's never done like anything like even remotely like that. So well, and you you kind of got submerged into one of the rougher hunts that we've had because we got into that like sawgrass or whatever it was, <laughs> and our shins and ankles. We've been Chris. We've been frogging for a dozen yeah. years, probably. Yeah, at least probably fifteen years. Yeah. And I've never had that before, but we got into this pond that had some monster frogs. And we had a couple guys out on a pontoon boat <laughs> that was just there. Luckily, we were like, hey, somebody get on the pontoon boat. We're going to take that out. And then uh, Mike and myself and a couple other guys, we were walking through the grass. But, yeah, that tore our legs up. Yeah. You don't really realize it at the time. And then it was actually the next day. I was like, man, my legs got to hurt. So I looked at my legs, just shredded. <laughs> yeah. Cuts everywhere. And it's like, what happened? My wife was like, what the heck happened to your legs? I was like, I have no idea. Like, you I didn't even realize. You should have totally told her that the frogs, like, tried to attack us or <laughs> yes, something like that. The frogs That's what happens when you're in the shallow park. They just start clawing at you. <laughs> yes. They know what you're there for. Yeah. But yeah, we had we had a great night. I mean, how many guys did we have? Six, seven guys, and we got a full limit of frogs for everybody. Yeah, so it'd be seven. Yeah, so we got a full limit of seven. So we we ended up being not as selective towards the end. Yeah. We were like, we just have to get a limit. We have a half a dozen more, <laughs> yeah. and we started just spearing everything. But that was a lot of fun. We did. We did a Hawaiian sling spear, just some traditional frog gigs, and then I bought that claw deal it's like a spring oh, that amazon claw. special yeah the amazon special <laughs> <laughs> it should have been groupon even maybe from goodwill yeah. <laughs> like it, it's supposed to so imagine like a an ant's teeth yeah. or like the pinchers yeah and then there's a trigger on the center and when you hit the frog it's supposed to clamp down and hold on to the frog i don't think it worked a single time no, but when you said that, it's a perfect example of it. I I, I think of Honey, I Shrunk the, sh the Kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the massive <laughs> ant chasing them around, and he's just got like clamping the front of his face. And uh, that's exactly what the look of it is. Is it's, it's this clamp that like as soon as you 
push in on the center of it. It's just supposed to swing trap uh, and uh, and then grab them. But uh, it ended up just like smashing them into the mud and not grabbing. And then they get off because there's no spear. And so probably a bunch of, you know concussion, you know, real frogs <laughs> They're like, I'm telling now. you, there was a giant ant on a pole, guys. You have no idea what's yeah. out here. He didn't grab me, he just pounded me into the mud. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who don't know what Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is, because I'm sure a lot of the younger listener base is like, what in the world? This is like pre-Sharknado time, right? This was, this was like the horror children's movies <laughs> back in the day. And then they did Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. And yeah, it got a little, little bit ridiculous. Yeah, it was terrible. The classic Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Everybody yes. needs to go back and watch it. I'm sure somebody carries it. Yeah. They, they Maybe Netflix movies if like they, they used to. Canceled. No. But yeah, we... Uh, man, it was so much fun. Chris, what what was your first frog gigging experience like? Um, I'm sure it was the first or among the first, but uh, we used to take a couple of boats, canoes, and go out on the James River. Um, and, uh, which is kind of a bigger body of water. It's kind of a big lake and then got some narrow areas and <clears throat> we kind of go along the banks and stuff. And, and that was when, you know, I feel like I've gotten, uh, older, uh, lazier, some would argue smarter, uh, <laughs> with it. Uh, one we would argue <laughs> smarter. <laughs> we, uh, you know, I would wear cargo shorts and, um, you know, no shirt and old tennis shoes and to just go sloshing through everywhere, wherever it may be, swimming around. And, you know, you'd crab them with your hands or if you've got a gig and then you just knock them upside the head and then shove them in your cargo shorts. Uh, you know, and so you just kind of keep moving around and just fits. Once you fill up your cargo shorts <laughs> enough, then you go over and you throw them in a bucket. But, you know, you got to make sure they're like, you know, as Brad Cook would put it, you know, like super dead uh, <laughs> before you throw them in the bucket. <laughs> Otherwise, they, uh, a dead frog will jump out of the bucket. Yeah. You know, yeah. even a dead, dead frog <laughs> yeah. will jump out of the bucket. So you make sure they're super dead <laughs> yeah. uh, and then throw them in the bucket. Uh, you know, then you meet up later with your buddies and stuff. And I say smarter because, uh, now I primarily will only wear uh, the hippie uh, waders, you know, the hippie dippies, uh, because uh, so many snakes and so many uh, sawgrass uh, deals where I have just gotten to the point where I'm like, man, I'm too old for this. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, you see, you know, and I don't even know, you know, it's hard to tell if a snake's poisonous or not, but there's not been a time I've gone out where I haven't seen them around and, you know, I've, nobody's ever been bit. Uh, I've never been bitten, and uh, and so, but it's just like you see them, and I, it's probably false security. Yeah, uh, that those little plastic layer of they're not stopping. I feel like it, mentally, it makes me feel better about stomping through that uh, deal. That if I land in a in a whole pile of them or a nest of uh, you know moccasins or copperhead or something, that like at least I have something on my feet. Uh, but uh, but yes, yeah, so the James River, we go around, spotlight them on a on a canoe, and then just kind of chase them down on the banks. See, when I first heard about frog digging, it was after moving down here for college. And a good friend of ours, Jeremy Alvarez, we were at a campground north east of here, and he was like, hey man, you want to go frog gigging? And I'm like, don't know what that is, but it sounds like hunting, so yes, I'm in. And we went out in a canoe, and we were just catching frogs left and right. It was awesome. And I was like, man, this is cool. Didn't even think to ask, what do we do with these frogs? And I remember there was one point where 
we spotted a frog underneath this overhanging branch, and I went to reach for it, and he just yelled, don't move, and I was like, oh, what's going on, like, am I going to get eaten, and all of a sudden, I look up, and there's a water moccasin just hanging on a branch about six inches from my hand, and I was like, oh, crap, so we gigged that one instead of hand grabbing it, but then I remember we got back up to the actual campground itself, and there was a fire pit, and he's like, all right, man, now we're going to cut the legs off and cook them up. And I thought it was one of those things where he'd be like, all right, dude, here you go, take a bite, tell me how you think, and then he'd laugh at me. Before any of that happened, he's already, like, got one cooked, and he's mowing down on it. And I was like, wait, this is a real thing. Like, he's actually eating the frog legs. Yeah. And so I started eating it, and it was actually pretty good. I mean, yeah. that was just straight fire roasted. It was Yeah, and they're very good. Anything. I mean, like, it's a very good meat. I think a lot of people... You know, uh, uh, you know, you have your traditional, you know, your deer, your duck, and turkey and stuff that people kind of go for, and and uh, I I feel like frog is one that just kind of gets overlooked and missed, and uh, uh, but it's a very very good meat, and it's and it's you know easy to cook, and you can either bread them and fry them like you would catfish or something. Uh, or you can cook and grill them. I've had them grilled, and they're just, you know, you know, throw a little lemon juice on them, and, and they eat really well. So I was surprised that, I mean, you weren't here for when we were preparing them, Micah, but my first time, we'd cut the legs off, and then they were like, hey, we need to put them in salt water. I guess it wasn't my first time, but it was later on. Oh, yeah. And they're like, we're going to put them in salt water for a while, and then we'll bread them once, it, once the time comes. And... I remember putting those frog legs in salt water, and they started jumping. I mean, yes, fully skinned, do. cut off the frog, and they're just twitching and going crazy. I mean, the water looks like piranhas are in there. Yeah, the, whatever it is about the salt and, and whatever that you put on them, but it just uh, interacts with that and just the nerve endings, and they just start going nuts. You think that they just like, you know... You know, frog zombie apocalypse like, <laughs> just starts trying to come out of the water, and uh, yeah, it's are crazy. they are they going to regenerate their <laughs> yeah. torso and head? Yeah, What's going on right now? That's one thing I was really surprised about when we went was we're it's the middle of the night. It's like three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, and getting like preparing the frogs and everything. How quick all of that went, and it was like just pulling off the skin and everything. I mean, we had six, seven dudes working sure. on it. But at the end of the night, you think, oh, I'm, I'm done. I, I'm ready to just head home and go to sleep. But it went really quickly. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And it was yeah, a You kind of get back from the, the trucks <laughs> and stuff. You get back to the property and you're like, all right, I'm heading out, guys. And it's like, no, 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 we got to clean them now. We got to, we have, you know, 60 frogs or 58 frogs, whatever it was. And we got to start ripping all the skins off of them and getting them ready. Yeah. yeah. Did we get a picture of that? Yeah, we did. I'll actually post that picture on the Instagram, and people can check it out. But you'll see, (laughs) there's clearly the small ones that did not get (laughs) passed up there at the end. But, I mean, we had a couple of frogs that were probably 18 to 24 inches, nose to toes. Oh, yeah. Those are some pretty good-sized ones. So, uh, I think I've got a couple pictures of them cooked up. So, if you don't have them, I can give them to you so people can see. Absolutely. And that night was actually the fastest we've ever cleaned them. And I thought about it before coming out. We've done it just with, like, knives, like butchering knives or something. But this year I brought my hatchet out, and that was a game changer. I don't think I'll ever leave my hatchet at home because just chopping them off above the hips, that seemed to work really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had, like, a good assembly line going there. Man, it couldn't have taken us, what, 10, 
12 minutes to clean all those frogs. Something like that, yeah. It, it was pretty quick. And they go quick, man, at the white, <laughs> I mean, yeah. so the white trash succotash bash, I wasn't even planning on talking about this, but we'll dive into it a little bit because I was actually dove hunting earlier in the week, or actually I think it was Saturday morning, and we were talking about all these parties and rodeos that happen around here, and this guy Jackson that I was hunting with was like, yeah, dude, I heard that somewhere like by Rogersville, there's this big thing called the White Trash Succotash Bash. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I I was one of the guys who started that thing. And it happens right here uh, where we hunt. And that is a riot. I mean, it's a wild time for sure. It started out, were you at the first one? Yeah, in and around there, yeah. I mean, we started out doing it in Ozark, Missouri, and it was the blow stuff up party and we would just bring out whatever we could find to blow up microwaves tvs i'm sure all of that is like not epa approved but i don't really care that much um and then we would do a civil war style roman candle war so we would all line up across from each other at about 15 <laughs> yards and then we would all light them and we just take turns yes. and then after everyone lost their first roman candle like it was fully out we would just chase each other around and shoot. So, so for those of you that are listening, it's uh, it's done on the Fourth of July. Yes. So it's always the fourth of every uh, of every year, and uh, so it's kind of an Independence Day celebration. So, hence the uh, the red coats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It uh, it's a ton of fun. I think uh, last not this year, but the year before, COVID kind of knocked out a bunch of people from coming this year. Yeah. But the year before this. I think there was like 210 people that showed up to it. Yeah, that's so. about right. We had a 21-gun uh, salute, uh, a huge, we had a band, uh, a big American flag down behind the band, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it's funny, as, as we get older and you start having kids and that kind of thing, it goes from like chasing each other around with fireworks, you know, to like... Uh, you know, big swings and blow up toys, you know, or blow up bounce houses for the kids because it's like, well, we gotta kind of make this a little more kid friendly now <laughs> yes. and, uh, you know, still involve as much craziness as you can, but then uh, maybe make sure that's on the back 40 uh, of the property while you're you're still doing the other stuff with the kids. When you said blow up toys, I was like, that is not very kid friendly, Chris. But yeah, bounce houses, bounce bouncy houses. castles. Yes, bouncy that's what castles. we're talking yeah, about. Dudes and Daisy Dukes. It's, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I remember one year, I mean, this was the last year that I lived on the property. We had a school bus that we bought and we were renovating into an RV. And Drew, who's been on the podcast before, he was like, hey, dude, can I take people for a ride on the school bus? And I was like, go for it. So he's out on the back 40, and he does a lap. And then the next lap, I see him back there. And everybody had, they set up a ladder on the inside, climbed out the fire escape on the roof, and then they climbed up on top, and they were throwing clays off of it and shooting clays with a shotgun on a moving school bus. And I thought... This may be the first time in the history of the world that this has happened, but it definitely yep. topped off the white trash bash. Yep. So, Micah, um, having frog gigged, I mean, that was kind of your intro to hunting. Yeah. What What does hunting look like for you moving forward? I mean, do you think you're maybe going to try some other stuff out? I would love to. I So... I've gone on a couple times, like with you and Chris, just to, like shoot the shoot guns and shoot skeet. Um, 
And it's it's addicting. It's very much like, oh yeah, okay, I've never shot a gun before, but this is sure I can you feel I, more American. Yeah, I, absolutely. Talk about being in Missouri. Um, I definitely feel like this is something I would love to pursue. Like I, I still only have what the fishing whatever license that you get to, yeah. to go frog gig, but it was like, yeah, what does this look like? And then I'm talking to my wife about it. And I'm like. I have to buy all of these things. Like, what does <laughs> yeah. that what does that look like? Um, but yeah, I'm I'm hooked. Like, just hearing you guys talk about like how you prepare for hunts and um, like you're about to go on this mountain goat yeah. hunt. And just hearing about that is like, oh my gosh, I can totally see why dudes think about this all the time, or ladies think about this all the time. Because it's... thank you for being politically <laughs> correct. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, because it's. Yeah, there's something, I don't even know how to describe it, there's just something so, I don't know, like, peaceful about it, because we're we're out in the middle of the woods, and it's quiet, and it's like, how, how often nowadays do we have just, like, peace and quiet, where we're not, like, you're not hearing some advertisement or music or whatever, and you just get to sit out and enjoy, like, 90% of just being, like, quiet and yeah. peaceful, um, and that, to me, is, like, super attractive, like... And then you have the getting to like shoot like deer or whatever it is that you're hunting. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I I would love to get more into it. I don't know what that looks like at this point, but <laughs> we'll we'll get you plugged into some small game this year, and then like as you progress, if you want to hunt bigger game. The nice thing is, I mean, now you're part of a friend group. We have more guns than we care to admit to the public, but. Um, yeah, we've got all the gear and stuff, and so we'll get you out rabbit and squirrel and and dove hunting, and then you know if if it's something you still want to do, we can progress to larger game, and it's just a great way not only to have fun to get outdoors to enjoy creation, but also you feed your family with it. And I know I don't know about your wives and their takes on it, but with my wife, she did not grow up outdoorsy at all and so when she was like hold on what do we have in our freezer like I see all these meat packs I don't know what they are I'm like well this one's squirrel and this one's rabbit and this one's duck and that one's <laughs> yeah. duck that one's goose that one's venison and she's just like oh my gosh are we eating all of this <laughs> and then she Absolutely. got into cooking it and she really enjoys cooking it now well we just labor day right we cooked up some of that yeah. Yeah, 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 we cooked up some elk and it was really, yeah, yeah, really, really good. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. it's good meat. I mean, people think, oh, it's going to taste funny, it's going to be weird, but what what a lot of people fail to realize is it's wild. I mean, it is as close to the earth as you can get meat-wise. When you're shooting an elk out in the middle of the mountains in Colorado, like some of these elk may have never encountered a human before. They don't have all the hormones, they don't have all the... Yeah. chemicals and junk and it's not the it. grains and everything else that you know that they're just trying to do to get them fattened up you know it's like what their bodies you know are intended to eat and stuff. yeah so. well and i mean even with fish like eating fish is something that we do quite often bass fishing is not really fishing for food but i grew up walleye and pike fishing up in wisconsin and that made up a big chunk of our diet along with the red meat that we got from deer and so, Chris, what about your wife? What's her take on it? Uh, she, like, refuses to touch. Uh, <laughs> but now, to her, uh, I guess, argument there is that, like, it's it's not necessarily because it's wild game. 
Uh, she doesn't like, you know, poultry from the grocery store. She yeah. doesn't like hamburger from the grocery store, you know. So, like, she'll do it because, you know, she cooks and, and takes care of things. And so, like, she definitely does. But uh, it just it just crosses over that where, you know, I've, I've brought home and cleaned that bag of doves, you know, from, from opening day couple weeks ago and uh she's like what are you going to do why is there a, a bucket of salt water and dove breasts in my uh refrigerator right now in an open bowl you know so she's like i need more milk so you need to move that big, you know uh and so i was like no i was at work and she's like uh i was like would you just take them out and put them in a in a bag you know i was like actually i didn't rinse those off very good so could you actually rinse the feathers off those two and she's like no i will put them in a bag and you will mess with them and pull the shot out and uh and get the uh the feathers off you know and so i was like all right fair enough uh, so, know, so. so it started out as just needing more uh real estate in the fridge for milk and, yes and like no i'm not touching any it, of it was a all right fine i'll touch the the dove and you can then clean it later but uh, so yeah, That's so she also is not a huge fan of our, uh, uh, you know, like outdoor whatever trash can, or the the big bins that you throw your main trash in or whatever. Oh yeah, because uh, I cleaned them on a, uh, I don't remember what day it was, but it was like I cleaned them and then the trash had come the day before, so it was like the, the dove carcasses sat out there in like ninety Just, degree weather. It was hot that week yeah, too, yeah, for like a week, you know. For so, and then we had Labor Day, so then it pushed it even further out an extra day. Uh, so she, you know, by that time she was passing the, the, in the garage coming in and was not happy, uh, about that. But, uh, so it's gone now and, uh, <laughs> smell's gone. Yeah. See, yeah. I've learned that I just take a trash bag full of dead animals to work and dump it there. That's <laughs> probably to. smart. I, uh, I threw it and when I threw it in the, the, the can, I heard it thump. You know, and I was like, oh, that was empty. <laughs> that guy's not coming back for a week. I'm going to put a bunch of fresh lemons yeah, in there. Yeah, we're going to have to do something about that. It's going to smell bad. Yeah, we've had we've had that issue actually a couple times because at the property we're currently on, the guy has pigs and chickens. Well, raccoons and possums have been getting in the chicken coop and taking out chickens, so we've been trapping them. Well, sometimes I trap them on a Tuesday. Well, trash comes early in the day on a Tuesday, and so then I'm like, man, I've got this dead possum that is now <laughs> going to stink up the trash can all week long, and normally, like, living out here, I would just throw it out in the back, but where we're at now, they've got a couple dogs that will get into them, and <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, it causes quite an issue. Yeah. So, Chris, moving on to, like, upcoming hunts this year... Mm-hmm. I know we just went out and we tested out that rifle. Yep. Um, tell us a little bit about that rifle. And obviously you're trying to get a deer this year. So we're going to get you hooked up. So I've been deer hunting at least a half dozen times. And uh, rifle season. Um, I've, as far as a bow goes, I probably have better luck throwing a rock at it than <laughs> I would a bow. Uh, so rifle is kind of my, my first go-to. And uh, I have yet to even see a deer uh, while, you know, sitting in a stand or, or out deer hunting. So, uh, been multiple times and just never really had much luck. Um, I, I struggle with deer hunting a little bit because you're by yourself, uh, which I like for a while. Um, but like, you know, six, seven hours sitting there by yourself, being quiet, can't do anything, don't move, you know, starts getting, I get a little antsy, you know, yeah. starts getting to me a little bit that like I need to at least, I don't mean, I don't mind being by myself. I just need to 
get up and walk around and you know but you can't yeah. and so that's what's hard for that plus I think and I, I don't I'll come back to your question real quick but uh, I think I like frog gigging and you know uh, deer hunting I'm sorry uh, uh, duck hunting and you mentioned dove earlier like opening day when we did that um, because of the camaraderie that you get with your you know fellow hunters and friends and stuff yeah. uh, frog gigging when we went you know you get to walk around a pond or a lake or wherever you are and you're laughing and you're having a good time and and you know you get to like spend that time together and it's very uninterrupted it's it's not watching a movie where everybody's quiet and it's not like going to dinner where you're kind of just having cross conversation and then trying to eat and whatever it's just like you're just walking around having fun. Oh, hey, there's one. You snag that one, throw in the bucket, keep moving, talk about this, talk about that. And so you get a chance to really connect with people yeah. uh, while being in the outdoors. And then it's just a, a different experience that you can share that is unlike really anything you can really recreate in the city. Yep. It's it's not, I mean, I've done the, the going to a bar and hanging out with people. I've gone to a coffee shop and hang out with people. I've gone to shows, gone to concerts. I've gone to dinners. And all of those are great and they're fun, but it's just a there's just a, not a way to recreate what you can have in uh, walking around, hunting, fishing. It's just a different activity that you just can't really recreate as far as a as a camaraderie and and you know to use the word fellowship in air quotes yep. uh, that you get with that. Um, so deer hunting for me is a little bit of a, of a challenge because it's, it's so solitary. Um, and so that's why I've not really put a lot of focus into it. Plus I don't really know what I'm doing. So I know I'm going to spend, you know, likely six or seven hours just sitting in the woods by myself. Um, and so this year I'm really committed that like, I feel like it's kind of like, uh, that piece of a man card that like, I've never killed a deer. So I'm like, I've been out in the woods for hours and days and weeks and months but yet i've never killed a deer and so i really want to, to try to get on one uh and so i'm really trusting you dan uh in uh, crap dude so it's like i'm uh you know it's i've always gone to you know a public land and sitting next to a tree and hoping for one to walk by you know yeah. or i've gone to a couple private property places where i've sat and kind of hoped but this year, you know, which is why I've been a part of like being out there with the disking, you know, and, and trying to get in on that and like throwing the, 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 the food plots down and, and checking the cams with you and whatever that may be. Because it's like this is all part of the process. Shooting the deer is, is obviously the, the end goal, but that's not deer hunting. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've come to realize that because I've, I've kind of tried over the years to just do the deer hunting as in like just shoot the thing. Yep. And, and I've not, I've been unsuccessful. So this year is a little bit, and I'm not put the time in, you know, and so it's kind of trying to find that balance of, of what does that look like? And I think, you know, kind of get out and be a part of checking cameras and, and being a part of being there while you do the disking and, and getting the, the food plots going and trying to grow some different things and stuff. So that way the deer can come. And so being a part of the whole process, not just like trying to capitalize on the end game. Um, so I brought my, my, my great grandfather, uh, has an eight millimeter Mauser. Um, and, uh, it's been sporterized, but it was a German soldier's, uh, rifle in World War II. Um, and so it's a really cool gun. It kicks like a mule. So, uh, I shot it probably half dozen, eight times or so tonight to try to get zeroed in on it. And, uh, I am going to have a bruise tomorrow. I'm pretty confident. Uh, but, uh, it's something that it's like, I feel a bit of, um, I was telling Dan earlier about like a bit of nostalgic that like, 
you know, whatever it might have been, probably almost 100 years ago, uh, my great-grandfather was using this gun to hunt, uh, you know, for himself. And so it's like, uh, that's important. So I don't have, I'm not doing a scope on it. I've got iron sights on it. So I'm trying to get that dialed in on what that looks like. And I'm not going to be as accurate. So I don't maybe think it's probably not the smartest thing for my first year. Cause I'm sure my <laughs> like, you know, the heart's going to be beating like crazy and I'm not going to be able to hold it still and everything. So is it could be a very bad mistake. So I'm, I'm wanting to make sure for the respect of the deer and everything that like I, I I'm dialed in and I know how far I can go. And so we've got some contingencies. Dan's going to have a, uh, a rifle with a scope on it if I uh, am a little bit too antsy, uh, as well as if it doesn't come in close enough, I'm not taking a long shot at it, you know, because I don't, but I, I do kind of want that piece of my family history, uh, as well as, you know, kind of trying to mirror the two of those like modern hunting with back then and kind of like my first deer is going to be taken out with an iron sided, you know, 100 year old rifle. Um, so I'm looking forward to it and uh, we'll see what happens. Dude, that's really cool. So a couple things that you mentioned there. One is like the fact that hunting is more than just pulling the trigger. Right. A lot of people out there and even modern hunting shows, the whole show is leading up to pulling the trigger and watching that animal die. There's even montages like 15 minute videos of nothing but kill shots on animals, but it misses a huge part of the story. I mean, that is, that's not the finale because, you know, you still track the deer and you, and you harvest the the meat from it, but, um, there's so much more to hunting. And so it's cool to hear you saying that you're realizing that already. And then also just the respect from the animal, not taking a shot that's too far, which we're in Missouri, so (laughs) that's about a 50-50 deal if someone's going to... Too far is like 75 yards at this point for me, which is, you know, uh, across the street for uh, most hunters. Yeah, well, and and being in Missouri, I mean, you could just jump on like the Missouri state pastime, which is road hunting. (laughs) You're like, oh man, sitting still for seven hours. I'm like, well, a lot of people don't really do that. (laughs) They'll just drive around, see a deer, jump out, shoot it. Um, but yeah, we're going to do it the right way. And I'm excited to, to get you involved in that aspect. Um, and along the, along the lines of an older rifle, I actually had a Mosin the Gaunt and I don't know how old it was. I'm sure it's super easy to look up, but I had bought it super cheap from a guy and it had a couple like engrave. it wasn't engravings. It was just notches on the stock. And looking into it, I realized that a lot of soldiers, when they would shoot an enemy soldier, they would notch the stock of the rifle. And so I'm out back just shooting at at steel targets, realizing like this gun very well may have killed people. That was a very weird feeling for me. I was like, this is strange. Like the things that this gun has seen long before I was alive, that was odd to me to say the least. Yeah. But I, what a what a great perspective on that though. Like that Mauser, like could very well have been used to kill somebody, but now it's being used right to hunt with and to you know enjoy going out and shooting with friends or whatever. Yeah, it's very different than yeah. it was made for one purpose, and 
now you're getting to right. And actually, on that, uh, an interesting little uh, tidbit as far as that specific rifle. And I guess I do bad math, but it was a hundred years ago, more like eighty years ago. Uh, I wasn't going to correct you. Right, yeah. I was just going to let all the comments roll in. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but uh, that Mauser was built by Nazis uh, to kill Jews and whomever else. Yeah. Uh, is a German rifle. Uh, however, as kind of a, I guess it'd be a spit in the face. Is that the the POWs, uh, the Jews? They would use them to uh, create and build those rifles. So you've got Jews building rifles that are given to Germans to then kill Jews. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so what the Jewish people would then do is while they're making these rifles, is that they would jack with the internal components. And uh, so a lot of the Mausers even today have problems with firing uh because they have you know, missing components or firing pins or whatever the the internal pieces that they would either remove or file down or do incorrectly so they have a lot of misfires yep. uh obviously they have to be careful because if they find out they're doing it it'd be problematic for them yep. uh but so they're just small inconsistencies on these guns and so far i've never had any issues with this one and i put you know quite a few rounds through it i've never had problems with it uh so I don't know if he's fixed it since then, but it is kind of an interesting piece of, of history that like, you know, this was built by a Jew, but it's a German rifle. And yet it's like, I almost want it to have the firing issue, yep. you know, yeah. that yeah. like, yes, this was one, you know, <laughs> yeah. that like they, yes, they, 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 they pulled it over yeah, on them, you know, and so... Uh, Until the barrel blows up and you're like, no, I love Right, yes, yes. So that is always a concern at some point. You know, it's like, did they, they, how far did they go in uh, messing with this? You know, you get X amount of rounds through and then (laughs) it blows up in their faces. There's a little bomb inside the socket Uh, that they didn't know about. So, but there's several stories of my, of my grandpa, uh, my great grandpa that had put a scope on it. And I think the furthest one was a mile away and he dropped a deer uh, a mile away uh, with the scope cow. on it. Yeah, so I mean, it's like, so there's there's several different stories. And obviously, you know, over time, those probably get stretched and, and uh, like any hunting, any good hunting story does. Yeah. Uh, but it's still cool to think about him, what hunting was like then, yeah. you know, what type of gear he used, how he got back there, what areas, parts of the country he was in doing it, and then like, you know, what that looks like and then, you know, generation after generation after generation uh is now in my hands and uh and then you know what it's seeing now what it's a part of and so it's kind of that that family history of 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 kind of continuing that and and i look forward to a day that i can then pass it to one of my sons and uh and kind of continue that tradition down and um so yeah it's crazy to think about that hunting back in the day like right now we do it for sport and we have fun and we get out on the Mm -hmm. weekends when we can or we take time off from work but Back then, I mean, it was very likely that they weren't going to eat red meat unless they went out and shot a deer. And even the property that we're on right now, it's one of Missouri's century farms. So it's over 100 years old. And uh, we actually had a couple really cool pieces in in the smokehouse that we found, which you guys don't know what it is, but I turned it into kind of a man cave, put cedar all over the walls. We hung mounts in there. Um, but the original house burnt down, and so they built this little shed for their whole family to live in while they rebuilt the main house. A family lived in there? A whole family lived in there. And <laughs> in fact, uh, the, one of the cousins, I was talking to him, we're good friends with him, and he's 80, probably 85 years old now. 
And he's like, I didn't have running water or electricity until I moved out of the house at 18 and got a city job with a telephone company. He's like, it was like one of the first of its kind. Um, but he, so, so we found a couple really cool pieces in there. One of them was a trunk. And he said that that came on a stagecoach across the country, and that's what their personal belongings were in. What? And so just to see the history yeah. with guns, with these farms around here, yep. and if my memory serves me correctly, they bought this in 1896. I think that's the year that they bought the property, and they bought it for three cents an acre. That's awesome. And I offered him five cents an acre. He did not take it. I told him, man, that's a big, yeah. that's a big that's a add on to your family's investment. But yeah, he, he wasn't going to take it. So, but yeah, we're definitely blessed to be out here and to, to hunt. I mean, we've done everything, like I said, from rabbit hunt. I mean, rabbit hunting has been one of the more productive hunts out here. I remember your dad came down one year from Kansas City and... I think we shot like seventeen rabbits that day. Yeah, it was a good. It was a. It was a bad duck hunting day, I believe, that turned into a great uh, rabbit hunting day. Yeah, was that the day that yeah. all the lakes oh, were they froze, all over? froze yeah. up? We didn't know it was going to happen, and by the time we got here, we went and tried to put on at multiple places, and uh, every spot we got to, and we thought, oh, for sure, you know, like the 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 big lake, the big water won't be frozen, you know, and it, and for the first you know hundred yards at least uh, by the bank, it was all froze up. I mean, it was like we couldn't even the trailer was going out onto the ice, you know, it was like we couldn't even bust the ice to get the boat in, and uh, so we came back here like, well, we'll just mess around. And sure enough, I mean, it's like every, you know, little patch of grass and every, you know, brush pile. I mean, just rabbits would just shoot out, you know. And, and, and I think really going back to, to what we're talking about, the camaraderie of it, I mean, I think it's something that I, I get to enjoy that, you know, with my dad. You know, and walking around and we have those things together that, that you just, you don't get that kind of stuff in the city. That's where I was raised. That's where I grew up. I grew up, you know, playing uh, football in the middle of the street because we didn't have big fields, you know. I grew up uh, riding my, my 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 bicycle down the sidewalk, and I grew up going to parks to go fishing, you know. Yeah. But then you come out here to a place like this, and you've got 200-plus acres, and, yeah. and you can just kind of stretch your legs out and kind of just keep walking fence rows, and, and great conversation comes up in that, you know. And then it's interrupted with like, oh, there, get that one, boom, boom, boom. Oh, I got him, you know. And, you know, unless you're Tony Khalil, and it's just boom, and then he dies. Uh, we talked me, about it's, that it's, on the podcast. It's boom, 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 you know. So, I, for, I, for us, it's boom, 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 and then you hear Tony, boom. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> hey, hey, I shot that on the first yeah. shot. It just took a while to go down. Yeah, so I can see, especially Rabbit, you see the, 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 the dirt and grass fly behind it because I keep shooting behind it, you know, and it's, it takes me three uh, to catch up to, to where he's at, you know, where I should be shooting to begin with. Uh, but uh, yeah, not with Tony. You know, he did the same thing frog gigging though. The first time I went frog gigging was with Tony, oh, okay. and, and uh, it was the same deal. You like, felt like a child. Oh yeah, I've got I've got like a, a fifteen foot pole, you know, and it's like laser guided. Might as well be and all this and and I get out there with not really not really laser guided, but you know what I'm saying. And, in case there's legal in case there's yeah, uh, yeah in case that's not right. Missouri Statute conservation of Missouri Conservation <laughs> Department. It was forty years ago. <laughs> uh, but I. Uh, you know, I'd be out there ready to go, and then the next thing you know, Tony's like, I got another one, you know, barehanded, or, yeah. you know, he, like, sees one real quick, his hands are full, and he grabs it with his toes, and they throw it <laughs> in the box, and so, going with him, you're just like, cool, same thing with rabbit hunting, uh, 
is that uh, he just kind of catches them. But um, uh, um, but it's still a, a deal that you can really get to enjoy with people again. And so it's just, there's just so many things in hunting that I think if I pull from any of it over the last 20 years that I've been a part of, that at least 15 to 20 years I've been a part of it down here, that like it's really been something that I've I've seen how it pulls guys together. And then even like you, Micah, you know, like it's something that like we can do together. They yep. do, you know, and oh, Dan and I were talking about this the other day. I don't think I've ever seen a movie with you. No, and I love movies. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love yeah. movies. <laughs> but yeah, that's not something that when it comes down to like, hey, do you want to go do something tonight or let's go do this or get together for this? Like watching TV uh, or playing a video game or something like that is just not a part of it when you have the option uh, and you realize what it is and, and you know, kind of get into it. And so sometimes it may be harder to get into because you don't, you don't know what to do or whatever, but it is kind of a club that... Just like with anything, when you get excited about it, you want to bring somebody else with you, and it's very much that way. And I, I think uh, you know, frog gigging is a great one for you because yep. it's an easy in. You get multiple chances of misses because uh, there's more, you and know. And it's, so it's it's not like a deer hunt where it's like, a, oh, I saw one and I moved and I blew my chance. You know, I gotta wait till next year. Yep. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of like, oh, hey, that one, you know, jumped away, swam away, whatever, or you missed it completely. And and then you get a, you get the next one, you know, and and we always try to be, especially being you know, doing it for so many years now. Anybody new come in, we try to make sure, like, hey, get them on this one, you know, hey, this is a good one. Make sure he gets this one or or whatever, because it's just important to kind of share that that love and excitement that you have for it with other people, because then when you know when they get excited about it, now you have another person to go with, you know, yeah. and and that's a lot of times what makes it fun is that there's more people and and stuff. So. Yeah. yeah, I've I've discovered that there's very few things that break down walls of people like hunting does. Yeah. Because for a new hunter, I mean there's all sorts of questions. It's a weird <laughs> like I've I've when we were in Masters Commission, there were people that didn't even realize that people still hunted animals. It was so foreign to me because I grew up with it. Yeah. But they came from like Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. You know, or like Los Angeles and they're like wait a minute, people still go out and shoot animals? But then there's that curiosity, like, what is that about? Tell me more about it. And now you're seeing a lot of, like, the millennials really getting into it, and it's a whole different style of hunting. I remember a a buddy of mine uh, that didn't really do much hunting and stuff, and uh, he was my roommate for a while, and uh, I'd gone duck hunting that day, and so I came home for dinner that night. And it was like, okay, I'm going to get some uh, mashed potatoes going and some green beans going. Uh, and then I'm going to cook up this duck. It was a good one, too. Two good-sized mallards, uh, which, you know, for one person, it's like that's, you know, about one meal portion, you know, whatever. And so uh, I had that, and my, my buddy was there. And, and he was like, hey, man, do you uh, you mind if I try some of that? And I'm like, ah. I mean, yes, it's just kind of a good single portion, uh, but yes, I want you to try it, you know, and so I, I cooked it up, and, and then he's like, hey, I got to go, and I was like, did you want to try that? Oh, yeah, I'm going to try it when I get back, and, and you know, I mean, and duck is like, I mean, you got to eat it then, you know, it's not really something you can, like, save for later and, like, warm up, you know, and, and so he's like, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, I'll just warm it up later, and I'm like, man, oh, all right, I've got a fresh, hot, cooked, perfectly... And I can't eat it because I told my roommate that I, but I want him to experience 
duck, you know, and yeah. so I was but like, but also right. this is one of three ducks that I was right, shot. exactly, <laughs> like this is exactly so. It might have been the only two ducks I shot all season, uh, and so it's like, all right, fine. So then the next day, I realized when he came home that night, he didn't eat it. It's still in the Ziploc bag, you know, that I left for him. And so I'm not like super mad, but just a little bit like, oh, oh, that hurts me. So the next day, I'm like, hey man, uh, you gonna you gonna eat that duck? And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, if you want to, like, throw it in the microwave or something for me, like, I'll eat it real quick. And I was like, <laughs> so wait, wait, let me get this straight. I went out and I shot it. And then I plucked it and cleaned it and then cooked it for you. Now you want me to throw it in the microwave and do it? No, dude, if you're going to eat it, you can throw it in the microwave yourself, you know? So, uh, but then, you know, he did. He's like, ah, it's okay, kind of chewy. And I'm like, that's because it was in the microwave. (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) Killing me. So, So I do want people to experience, you know, what it's like and stuff, but you also want them to like the right way of experiencing things, you know, and, and not warmed over microwave version of it. I've had to trick people into eating certain meats. <laughs> Sam, my wife's mom, she comes over now, and before we eat anything, she asks me what it is because she's like, is this a squirrel? Are we eating a squirrel right now? This yeah. is so weird. I don't want to eat this. It tastes bad. And I'm like, you've never even tried it. you yeah. got to just experience it once. Yep. Um, but, hey, going back, before I forget, I actually pulled it up on my phone because it's something that you and I experienced together, and... You came out and were a huge help in getting the food plot started. We talked about it the other day on a podcast, but Micah hasn't seen this picture. There was an issue with the guy who came out to plow the ground, and he couldn't get the discs in the dirt. And so... Man, any he, good, helpful wife, I'm sure, is where you're going with that. He had his wife <laughs> add some extra weight, if you will, to try to get the discs in the ground. Yeah. A little bit, a lot of weight there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it actually made a it difference. Helps. It helped. It we were trying to figure out ways. We were like jumping up and down on the, the beams and like trying to get because the ground was hard and he just couldn't get the, the disc to like catch. And so it needed just some extra weight. And, you know, it's like, man, if we had cinder blocks or something we could put on there uh, and nothing was working and I, uh, we found a solution. I don't know if you've even seen this. So I actually got that on trail camera. The trail camera. <laughs> we took a couple of pictures. I uh, had Sam uh, uh, take a couple pictures with oh, his phone. I need to get those. I yeah, but they weren't them. near as good as that, though. So that's, that's the trail well, that's, camera is better. It's perfect amazing. and oddly disturbing. Yeah. Hey, maybe that's a good, like... Hey, the red game meat, whatever. Like that's that's what it'll get you. Yeah. Yeah. Well fed. <laughs> a well fed Missouri woman. That's what you'll get. Yeah, if you're I mean, a that's the best farmer. picture uh, there. Oh yeah. He, that's the best <laughs> yes. one that he was able to get. So your trail cam really Man. caught the glory. Missouri ingenuity. Way to go, Walmart Tasco thirty nine dollar trail camera. Yeah, right. That yeah. definitely came through. Also, I want to go back to not watching movies together. So Go back to not watching. (laughs) Well, I'm going to switch that up because now I feel like the first movie that the three of us have to watch together is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. kids. (laughs) Seriously. I think that would be perfect. The kids would be like, what is this? This is terrible. I want to go back to watching unboxing videos on YouTube. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's cool, though. I mean, I've got one boy... 
Chris, you've got two. Uh-huh. Micah, you've got three. Yeah. Way to one up us all. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, have fun with that. <laughs> no, tell um, me. But I'm excited to get our kids out. I mean, I've taken them out fishing and stuff and shooting, and I, I just can't wait to get them involved in the outdoors because growing up in it, that was a huge, like, watching my parents leave for deer hunting season, I just wanted to be a part of it so bad and watching them come back with stuff. And even now, the kids, every time we see something on TV or, like, they'll see an advertisement maybe during Thanksgiving, and they'll be like, Dad, that's a turkey. you got to shoot it. And I'm like, hey, I am glad that you know I am a man. But, yeah, it's it's going to be fun once we can get the kids out doing all that stuff together. We took uh, we took Levi uh, out. And Logan, you know, I mean, they're three and two, and so Logan's kind of at that, but Levi's will be four. Uh, later this year, and so he's really starting to get the grasp and like uh, fishing. He just, I mean, he just that's all he wants to do. When he, you just get him hooked on just a, a perch, you know, and it's yep. just like he just wants to reel it in and then pull it up and just like you know, the moment as soon as you get it off the hook, it's just like throw him in. I want another one. I want another yeah. one, you know. And so, so much so that a couple of times I just left it on the hook and just let him reel it <laughs> back in. Yeah. You know, just like I oh, yeah, look at that. That fish um, is like you'll never believe yeah, what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be in the mind of these frogs yeah. and yeah. fish. And yeah. like, what is going on right now? Yeah. So, uh, but what was kind of cool, and I, I don't want to get off too much in the weeds because I know tonight was primarily about frog gigging, but uh, <laughs> my uh, my sister married a guy, and he's uh, much like you, Micah, that has yeah. not really been around a lot, and and you know, and he didn't really have much of a dad growing up, and so. Uh, not that that was your case, but as far as, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. His, his story. Sorry, Mr. Not, Garmin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but his story was not having much of a, of a dad, and then they were, grew up in the cities, and so he just never really experienced outdoors. And so between me and my dad, he, he kind of is, is starting to get out there a little bit. And the second time that I, I took Levi fishing, he, he was there and, and kind of trying to learn, and it was actually his first time fishing. And I got to see kind of like a, a grown man uh, get excited like a kid does. And that was pretty cool to see because it's like I'm, I'm watching my my three year old, you know, be all giddy about this perch coming in, yeah. uh, and then I'm watching this like thirty year old man get all giddy about a perch coming in yeah. because it was his first time fishing, and he was oh, like, yeah. "This is the best ever." And I didn't really connect everything. Being, I mean, I know they mentioned that he hadn't really been fishing before, but I didn't really think about what that meant. You just kind of like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, let's go down and go do this uh, until he talked about. Uh, or until he was bragging later about how these other guys came down and he's like, man, they had fanny packs with all of their, you know, their lures and all their bait. And he's like, they're going around and like, well, I was asking them if they're having any luck. And, and they're like, no, we're not really having any luck catching anything. And he's like, we're over here catching one right after another right off the dock. And he's like, we're doing way better than they are. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I, I didn't have the heart to tell him like, they don't want to catch the fish that you're catching. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's not what those fancy lures are for. Or, you know, uh, so the lake that we were at, you know, wasn't really producing the bass that they were going for. Uh, but like, uh, it still was funny to, to see him, you know, just super excited about even something as small as a perch getting on the line. Yeah. And just like, it was all about, it wasn't about what you were catching. It was just yeah. that, that you were catching something. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it was cool to see him, you know, excited yeah. about that. Well, that's a good point because I, I had, I'd shot in guns before but like n- nothing like shooting skeet or like shooting at like um uh, targets or anything like that but shooting with you guys like you can see your 
yourself getting better. Like, yeah. the first time, like, we did, like, skate shooting, whatever, oh I'm like, God. that was so bad. <laughs> I felt so bad for you. I was like, please, Lord, just blow this away. <laughs> this is it. I was like, this is terrible. But then the first time you, you shoot one, it's like, oh, Oh, did anybody else see? Yeah. <laughs> I just destroyed that piece of clay. Yeah. yeah, and then you, seeing yourself getting better, like I can see how that would be like real addicting in a sense, where it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm getting better. Like this is great. I mean, I don't know, if I could do yeah. that now, but yeah. like at the time, that was sure. Yeah. yeah, and then it's like you you see everybody else like doing it. It's like it, it becomes commonplace, where you you know you miss one and it's frustrating. Yeah. Uh, whereas when you hit one and it's exciting. Yeah. Uh, and so it's as you you know get better and, and better at it, you do kind of start like growing in that, and it's the you start to forget like what back at the beginning. And so having new people join, you kind of get that reignited. Like oh yeah, like you take for granted a lot, you know. And I think even with me being here as long as I have. I take that for granted as well because back in the city, you don't see that, you know, and uh, uh, my dad even still, I mean, they still live up in Kansas City and, and he's like, oh man, I, I bought this this gun, you know, to, to this nine millimeter. He's like, I've got it as kind of like a carry pistol or whatever. Um, and he's had it for like a year and a half now or something. I was like, oh man, that's awesome. And he's like, yeah, I need to bring it down there so I can shoot it sometime. You know, and I'm like, you haven't shot it yet? You haven't even had this gun for you? No, I just... That is not really out of place. I guess I go to the gun range, you know, over in this area. It's an indoor deal, but it's just like he just doesn't really know it as much. It just you're in the city. It's not like you can just drive out in the country and shoot something. And yeah. so I think sometimes I forget what that what that's like and how you know you just get used to being in your backyard or just the, the easy access. And it's like, oh yeah, not everybody has this, and it is a, a big blessing to be a part of something, especially this property and yeah. others that we can just get out and, and, and enjoy the outdoors. That is not as easily accessible. But I also feel like people don't realize how easy some things are accessible, yeah. and they just don't know where to look or they don't know where to go. And I think like places like the MDC with what they've done, uh, Missouri Department of Conservation, what they've done, and it's like, oh, you, there's all of these classes you can go to and all of these things. It's like, you want to get interested in it. You don't have to, like, you know, find some face group of buddies, you know, and try to make friends with people. Like, you can literally go to these different conservation areas or these, these state-run programs to learn about it if you're interested in getting yeah. into it. And that's one thing, like, being, for me, like, being so new to all of this, you would expect, like, going in, like, uh, almost like a pretentious, you don't know what you're doing, like, yeah. and not someone not being very helpful or whatever, but it's, like, the complete opposite, where it's, like, oh, man, like, this is awesome, you're gonna love it, and everyone's, like, helping you along the way instead of being, like, uh, just figure it out, you know? I, f I feel like we did a great job on the front end of explaining it to you. But then once we got out there, frog gigging, oh, yeah. it was just like, bro, you better find a frog and gig it. Yeah. I am going after them. Keep up or get yeah. left behind. Yeah. Seriously. You're going to be stuck on the pontoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, I really do like the, um, the, prog the progression of hunting because I, I've heard it said before, people start out with all the gear, all the tech, you know, you get the really nice rifle and the really nice scope and you, and you shoot things. But as you watch people develop into hunters, like they'll go from a rifle to a bow and it's almost backwards. You know, you get more primitive as you go. And so they'll go from a rifle to a bow to uh, a recurve bow to a long bow. There's people that spear or blow gun um, for big game. But then 
the final progression in my mind, and I've seen it for sure, is getting other people involved in it. Yeah. And that is as satisfying to me as going out and shooting a deer myself. Yeah. Which is why, like, when you... I, I had no idea, Chris, that you had never shot a deer before. And as soon as you told me that, that became my number one goal. Yeah. But then you got bumped back to number two when my wife was right, like, yeah. hey, I want to shoot a deer. <laughs> so, sorry about that, but I get a lot more benefits on that end. <laughs> so, yes, you will continue to. <laughs> so, you, you will be number two on the... Uh, on the priority list. Hey, sloppy seconds is still uh, something. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you still get something from it. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun year and I'm excited to get you more involved in hunting. And Chris, have you ever rabbit hunted behind a dog before? I mean I know we've rabbit hunted and the labs that I had Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if Rudy no. counts. <laughs> And so as far as like a good, like a beagle or something or something that really like gets down in and like pushes them out, like no, but, uh, I have all, I've, I've, I have with like pheasant, yeah. uh, and quail. And so I kind of have an idea, but I've not done it on, on specifically on a rabbit or even squirrel or sometimes they'll tree them and, and you can kind of, you know, go that route. So I've kind of been around that, but not like a good rabbit hunting dog now. I'll, I'll have to get both of you guys out this year because I did it for the first time last year and it changed the world for rabbit hunting for me. Um, a, a friend of mine, a recent friend of mine, actually, Andrew, he's got a beagle and that dog can't be more than 20% larger than some of the rabbits that we shoot. Mm-hmm. But it dives down into these brush piles and it adds a whole different aspect to rabbit hunting because it'll get in these brush piles that we otherwise wouldn't be able to kick rabbits out of before with Rudy, like you were saying, we would just like <laughs> climb up and jump around and yeah, hope a rabbit kicks out. Clumsily, you know, bump or bumble around. So you don't know what, can you tell which direction it's going to come out or does it still just shoot out? I mean, you hear where the dog is and the direction it's traveling once it gets under the brush pile and it just starts. And then Andrew is like, there's could a you, rabbit in here. Could for you sure do that 100%. one more time in case somebody missed that? <laughs> it's perfect. I mean, that is spot on. I could be a rabbit dog if only I could fit in those tiny little. I don't want to. I shouldn't say. Speaking of, so I'm going to go back. We're going to turn this into a PG-13 show real quick. Rudy is a dog that I got from a guy. I was looking for a hunting dog, and we had picked out a chocolate lab, and. I was super pumped to get it. It was off of Craigslist, and the day before I went to get it, I messaged the guy, and I was like, hey, man, I'm planning on coming tomorrow. We still good? And he was like, dude, we don't have the dog anymore. Like, my, my girlfriend sold it before you could make it here or whatever. And I was super bummed. We had a name picked out for it already, and we were like, okay, whatever. So I got back on, found Rudy, who is seven years old, AKC registered, Three generations removed from the first ever Chocolate Lab National Champion. And I was like, score, it was free, not even a rehoming fee. Uh-huh. And we picked him up, and he was fat, and he, <laughs> he definitely had a drive, but he was super fat. And when we got him home, I thought about renaming him Thumper, because he had the largest wang out of any dog I've yes, ever seen. He did. And when he panted, that thing would thump on the ground. But after a couple weeks of running him and, and training with him, he lost all that weight and he ended up being an awesome dog. Um, the big question is is after losing all that weight, 
Did he lose the wing? No, he did not. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. I was like, man, there's, was... there's hope for this dad bod yet. <laughs> if it means losing that, I better not do it. But yeah, he uh, he was a fun dog, man. But that rabbit dog, it's going to be fun. We'll get you guys out after some rabbits this year behind a dog because I want a beagle really bad now. That oh, dog, nice. I mean, we kicked that. There, have you seen the big brush pile down by the river? Uh, or down yeah. by the creek, uh-huh. there's that huge brush pile. We kicked six rabbits out of one brush pile with the dog this year in one day. Yeah, and most of those big ones, they don't come. There's so much room in there that yep. you don't really have any luck. Like, I started climbing around. But, I mean, it's just really unsafe, too, because, like, you've got a loaded weapon, and you're yeah. trying to get around, and you're, like, unsure of your feet. And you're going to, like, fall through a brush pile. And, and so it's like you just kind of skip those, and you go to another one that's really still pretty unsafe, but you uh, it's safe enough, you know, and, yep. and you you just kind of try to do it have one person standing out and try to jump up and down on a log to try to get them to come out and yeah it's rough man we, yeah yeah bring it back to frog gigging is so we did all this at night like after the sun went down driving by during the day it was like <laughs> i can't believe i went out in these like ponds because like, yeah. that did not look safe yeah it's like no way would you get me to do that during the day no yeah i mean when you have a headlamp and i mean i always say never never underestimate a bunch of rednecks in a large group the things that we will do once other other people are around is insane and i mean that goes back to the camaraderie side of it like i hunted out in colorado for a couple years with with um some friends out there some recent friends not like the friend group i have back here in missouri and I remember sending you guys pictures and being like, dude, we limited out on geese by 8 o'clock oh, yeah. this morning. But there was something about the friend group that I had built through hunting here that I couldn't replicate anywhere else. I'm like, it would take a dozen years yeah. to get a friend group like that. And I have a couple really close friends out there still. But I told them, I was like, guys, I would give up these everyday limits just to come back and shoot one or two birds with you guys. Because being with friends... I mean, that changes hunting altogether, which is why I would love, I think next year we're going to plan an elk trip, um, bring a bunch of guys from Missouri out to Colorado, and you're not sitting in the tree stand, Chris, so you're good. Um, you may need something other than an iron sight, a mouser, but uh, we'll get out and do some of that stuff. Um, so to kind of wrap things up here, I created a segment called Unloading the Chamber or Emptying the Chamber. And that is just anything that you guys have that you want to talk about that maybe we didn't cover in this podcast episode. Um, if there's any advice, anything you're looking forward to, just a random fact or joke, I don't really care. Whatever it is, if you guys have anything. You can literally hear crickets. <laughs> uh, the only thing that I, and I hate to bring it back to this, but I, if the story has not been shared, I, I want to be the one to share. I'm nervous right now. <laughs> the, the, because you referenced the campground earlier with Jeremy. Yeah. And then you've referenced Tony. So... The catfish story. We actually covered that on the show last Okay, night. so I wondered if you might have with Tony because I was there and I got to watch it happen. And so it's like I've heard the the legend of the story uh, multiple times. And uh, even people that like will talk about, oh, you know, like from the church or wherever because it was at the James River campground. 
and uh, they'll reference, oh, this one guy. And I'm like, that has made it all the way back around to, oh, this one guy yeah. I heard, you know, that he went down and caught like 15 catfish or whatever <laughs> with his bare hands. And I'm like, that is hilarious. That is far, very far from the truth of what actually happened. Uh, equally as cool. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, since you shared it last week, I, I won't uh, uh, pain the listeners with it again. But uh, I was... For like 10 years, I shared that story with people, and it was an albino catfish. (laughs) 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 And I didn't realize it until just recently that it was just a normal catfish. Yeah. Have you heard the story, Micah? I think I have heard the story. Yeah, Yeah. just going down with a knife, a fixed blade knife, and he's coming up with a catfish. Yeah. Yeah. I remember standing on the bank watching him because he was uh, like, oh, I think I can get it. And I'm like, that thing's like 15 feet down, man. It was really clear water. And, uh, and then, you know, he disappeared for what seemed like a half an hour. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how one man can hold her breath as long as he did. Uh, and then the, the next thing, the was, yeah, yeah, right? like, and I was there, <laughs> so, like I watched it happen. Uh, the next thing I know, I see a hand come up, grab the side of the boat and then another one come up with a fish, you know, about a three, realistically a three to four pound, uh, catfish. Uh, brings it up, just plops it in the boat. And I was like, what just happened? You know, and I go yeah. down to meet him on the dock and that thing's got, you know, uh, about the size of like a, maybe a quarter or so uh, hole in its side where he had stabbed it with a boot knife. Uh, and uh, it, while he just hovered over the top of it and just That's stabbed that thing with a knife and then put his hand through the hole and then brought it up and then That's... threw it. And we found a rusty box knife and filleted out and had it for dinner that night that goes back to what you were saying like you start out hunting with like a rifle and you go to a bow and then from there i was waiting for you to be like and then there's dudes with like hunting knives and yeah. like, then there's dudes who <laughs> stab catfish right. yeah. knife 15 i mean is it legal to drop out of your deer stand on a deer with a knife and just like slit its throat right then and then throw it in the truck oh, and, I, oh, dude. I had a couple opportunities last yeah. year i mean like is done. that a legal form of is that consider, yeah. could that be considered an atlatl yeah. you know yeah. knife? that is alternative <laughs> fire right. season yeah. that's we Lived in Texas for a short stint in North Texas, just like probably an hour north of, of Dallas. And guys would talk about like they would get hired to go out and just shoot like wild pigs that would terrorize like farms and ranches and stuff. And they would just pull up in their trucks and with like semi automatic rifles and stuff and just take out these things. And they said that they would get so close and the pigs would still be running after shooting them. And they would jump out with hunting knives on top of these pigs and just. Oh, slit their I can see that. And I was I've like, heard about there's people... nothing more manly than that. <laughs> yeah. I've heard about people doing that. Actually, uh, a guy I worked with at church, he he said they went on a mule hunt down in Arkansas. So they were on the backs of mules. They had dogs chasing hogs down, and they grabbed them by the ears. And these dogs have, like, Kevlar vests on to keep them from getting stabbed and gored and yep. bitten by these hogs. And the the guide would give them the opportunity hey, if you want, you can go up and stab this with a spear or a knife. And he said it was a ton of fun, but their trip got cut short because their guide got kicked in the chest by a mule. And it threw him about 15 feet back into a tree. And they had to take the guide out of the woods and get him to a hospital. Dang. But yeah, back to the primitive thing. (laughs) If, If the most manly thing you can do is dive down 15 feet and spear or stab a, a catfish with a knife. 
I just don't know that I'm ever going to make it. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. If that's the definition of manliness, I, I've got a ways to go. Yeah. I, it was funny talking with Tony um, on the podcast because he's such a humble guy, and I'm, like, bragging about him, and we started out the show with Legends of Tony Khalil, <laughs> and he's just like, come on, man, let's move on. I was like, dude, we could do, like, three episodes oh, just yeah. of this. Oh, absolutely. I remember one time teal hunting with him, and uh, we were at that property there in Ozark, that he, uh, we used to have access to, and like it's kind of this like death hole because the trees all grow up around it, and it's a small pond. But I mean, ducks loved it, so they would just dive bomb straight in. But there's no circling; they just like cup up and just drop straight in. And so, like when they're committed, they're in. We call it the death hole because like they can't. By the time they're in, I mean we can kind of hit them because they can't get out. And, as, long as, time, as long as Tony's there, <laughs> and uh, so this one, you know, there was two. So one, two of them got up as they were kind of like coming in, and they're trying to change the directions to go back out. There were two teal, and uh, I believe it was teal. Uh, I shot the one on my side, and then he's just standing there, just following it. And he's got his, his his shotgun up on his shoulder, and he's just following it. And I'm just looking at him like. What, what's he do? Why is he not shooting it? He's on it, you know, and I'm watching him. And then finally, he pulls the trigger and uh, and then drops it. I mean, the thing had to be at this point probably 50 yards away, you know. And and uh, and then he takes he, he had a pipe in his mouth and uh, and he takes the <laughs> pipe down out of his mouth and looks at me. And I was like, What were you waiting for? And then just in a monotone voice, and he just said. I was waiting for the smoke to get out of my eyes so I could get a clear shot. <laughs> so like... so we, we talked about one of his longest shots down on Tanicomo. I don't know if you were there. We actually got yelled at by a property owner. He's like, you can't be on this property. And we're like, oh, we're below the high water line. We can hunt right here. But we got back in the boat, and he had earlier walked out. And he shot a duck at like 75 yards. What? And it was insane. I mean, one shot, that's the type of thing I would have unloaded all three rounds, <laughs> watched the wad fly way behind the duck. Oh, yeah, and then the duck, the, you just watch a little dog jump up and then like snicker and laugh at you. <laughs> yeah. as he, like goes back down from Duck yes. Hunt Nintendo. 8 gig or 8 bit or whatever that yeah. was. I wonder bit. how many people got hooked on duck hunting because yeah, right just, yeah. we need to make a new game of that. Right? I bet you we can make a lot of money off that. A little, a little dog jumping up laughing at you after you <laughs> emptied the chamber. I've been I've been thinking about getting the kids like a Nintendo Wii and yep. the little shotgun deal that they have for that and doing hunting games on that. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. I'd probably be like get out of here dude. I'm yeah. Gonna, that's that's a big buck man. It's my turn. <laughs> I'm going to do that now. Well, this was a fun episode, guys. Yeah. I appreciate you guys coming out. And yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Seriously. Chatting and BSing about. <laughs> we covered a lot of topics. <laughs> a lot of topics from dog penis size to <laughs> shooting birds at long ranges and concussioning frogs. And yeah. Right. It's been everything, so. And that is actually where we're going to wrap this episode up. Uh, Micah, Chris, and myself, we all had a great time talking, sharing stories, looking forward to the future um, of the outdoors in each of our worlds. And sometimes when you chat, conversations just take a weird turn. That's what happened here, and I'm sure most of you can relate. Once you get a couple guys in a room, who knows what's going to end up being talked about. But we definitely had fun, and I look forward to catching up with them in the future, finding out um, how Micah has gotten more into the outdoors. Hopefully at that point, Chris will have his first whitetail down 
And I do want to apologize because we were actually recording in my old garage. It's out on property that we all hunt now. But the crickets and the insects were terrible. And so if that came through on your end, I do apologize for that. But as always, please go on and leave a review or a rating. That helps me. um, That just gives me good feedback on what you all like, what you all would change, as well as helps me produce better content. So until next time, always choose adventure. God bless and have a great week.